Someone asked for a teaching on death. So this is what I can say for sure. Death will come. That much we know. Sure as we're born, death will absolutely come. But not today. That's what I tell myself. Not for me or my children or my friends or my mother who's 83 Not today, because today it's a beautiful spring day, and there are so many things to do. And not tomorrow, because my to-do list is too long. And not now in general, because there's a pandemic, and there's too much suffering already. And it goes like that, not this month, because we'd miss summer, and we've waited so long through the winter rains, and not next month, because I need to put a garden in. But of course I know, sometime we will die, of course. But not today, and not tonight, because that wouldn't be fair. That's how I think about death, if I'm not careful. This is how most people think about death. But we know this, that which is born dies without a single exception. We know that. Who doesn't know that? But we ask why. And you know what? There is no why. You are born, so you die. That's it. Impermanent are all compounded things. How could this be otherwise? That's a line from the Mahaparinirvana Sutra, right? Impermanent are all compounded things. How could this be otherwise? When it rains and the sky outside my window in the office is a certain way, I see clouds in the sky, and after a while they go. Or on another day, a day like yesterday, when the rain and the sun are just right in conjunction, there's a rainbow. That also just comes, stays in the sky for a while and goes. Impermanent are all compounded things. How could it be otherwise? So basically, death is easy to understand. So why is it so shocking? We throw a ball up in the air. It falls to the ground. We're not surprised. It's a natural law. It's the law of gravity. But if it hits our head on the way down, it's personal. Suddenly it's personal. We're shocked. We blink and we wonder, why me? Because the ball was there and you were here. Ouch. Shocking. Practice doesn't ask us ever to stop being shocked about death or anything else. It asks us to feel the impact, to let it sink into our heart and our bones and to teach us something. Only in the absence of someone do we see clearly what is now missing. Only then do we appreciate what we can never have back. Only then do we know what we still have. I think of a friend who died, and I think to myself, Oh, you made me coffee when I was sad. You warmed the cup with hot water, and you brought that little silver spoon that I like. Did I ever say thank you? I tell myself I should say thank you more often now. Or I think of another friend and I think, oh, now I do things, so many ordinary things, cooking, washing my clothes, 
packing for a trip, and now you're not here to do them with me. I want that back. I want you back. I like ordinary things. My whole life could just be made of ordinary things, and I'd be so happy. I want my grandmother Inez with her lavender eyes and those evening in Paris perfume and the dresses that she wore. And I want my grandpa Jake with his stories about trapping and camping in the woods and digging up wild ginger. I even want my rascally father who was in trouble all the time like I am and who had the same laugh and eyes that I do. I want them all back. And yesterday, a student told me she wants her brothers, all three of them gone, and she wants them all back. We want back that part of ourselves which has wandered away and that left us without asking permission. When that happens to me, I don't know about you, I sometimes feel a little bit mad. And so I sit down with my anger, and eventually that anger unfolds into sadness, and the sadness unfolds into grief, and that unfolds into fear, and that unfolds into that ever-present background anxiety that just knows whatever is born dies. And that, if I sit long enough with patience and full attention, always unfolds into the great space of uncertainty and all possibility called emptiness. In this life, you never know. You never know until you do. Until right now, when you're experiencing something. Let's not live in the denial of things which can't be denied. Let's believe in death. In fact, let's practice death every day. We'll begin, you know, by noticing that we die over and over. You have a thought, it comes, it stays in the mind, and then it passes. You breathe in, you breathe out, that breath is gone, dead. The self of this morning is long gone, not coming back. Spring turns into summer, never comes back, not that spring and not those bees or flowers or honey. Let's be with that. Face to face with death, every possible experience will crowd into view. You'll see love and fear and dread and vulnerability, joy, ecstasy, birth, disappointment, success, the glory of God, thunder, fried chicken, dogs, children, camellias, and right now a pandemic. None of those things ask permission. You sit and you'll see that. Death doesn't ask permission. It's just part of the one thing, the whole thing of life and death and all of those things. I remember when my friend Jeff died. I was really so quietly standing beside him that I heard his last breath. 
and I saw that death comes on one breath and it leaves on another. And when it leaves, it takes a person's whole past and future with him. It's completely gone. And there I was watching all of that, just left with the story of him, the memory. And I stood there, and then there was pain and sadness, and then there was great space. And then after some time, some hours, there was just all of that possibility again, all of the random chaos of life and dogs and kids and pandemics. The whole thing just flowed back in and filled up the space that was him. Death isn't so painful. It's the story of death that's painful. If we drop that story and we sit down and we look at death directly, everything is there. There's no solution, you know. There's nothing we can do that will prevent death. Your intelligence won't save you. Your money won't save you. Your prestige, your status, your friends, your practice, your meditation. Nothing will save you from death. That's the nature of things. So when you ask me about your brother who died, I just say this. He went to the store once, right? He was gone for an hour or two. Did you love him while he was gone? He went away to college. Did you love him over the long, cold winter? He even went to England for a couple of years. I remember that. Did you love him then? So now he's dead. Can you not love him now? Could there be possibly anything wrong with loving your brother after he dies? Sometimes I think about my friends that have passed away and I think to myself and I think to them, you know what? You were a miracle and now I know that. Sometimes I loved you and sometimes I didn't. But now that you're gone, the difficulty of you fades away and I'm just left with myself and you know what? I miss you. I miss even your rough edges and your impossible requests and I appreciate your complexity and there are so many things I wish I'd said thank you and I forgive you and I love you and I hope to see you again and do you like your tea black or with cream I can't remember let's be willing to feel death every moment of every day while we cherish life and we feel life let's also be willing to feel death because right there in that surrender to the inevitability of death is our capacity to love and to live to acknowledge that we value each other and that we're big enough to hold each other's faults and goodness that we cared and sometimes it really hurt. When someone dies, you know, we sit around for days, weeks, months, or years and we pick up the pieces and we try to put together some kind of a meaningful whole. At my age, I'm 66, sometimes there's a few pieces missing just like real puzzles. The memory of that person or what we did or didn't do together is kind of hazy. I don't mind that. 
It's just impermanence. Space in the memory is not a bad thing. Most of memory is space anyway, don't you think? But I also noticed this other thing about those pieces of the puzzle when someone passes away, and that's that some of those pieces of their puzzle and my puzzle are always alive in me. You can look for yourself and see this. You look inside, you see your grandmother's kindness. It didn't die, did it? You see your sister's common sense, you inherit it, and maybe you worked on it a little bit and it served you actually better than it ever served her. (laughs) So what is the practice of working with death? People ask this a lot. I think I could say it in three words. The practice of working with death is to turn towards death. Don't turn away from it. Drop conclusions and ideas and memes and just turn your heart towards death and meet it with awareness. Every experience that arises, thoughts and feelings and sensations, each one of those is a teacher. Each one of those experiences that you feel when you face death holds a piece of the truth, a piece of wisdom So let that experience unfold like the aliveness that it is. Don't try to understand it, just experience it. Early in my practice, you know, I was really worried about death, not about my own death. That didn't seem scary, just uh, go to sleep here, wake up over there, or whatever happened. But I was worried about the deaths of my children and my family and my friends and even strangers. And so one day in the office, I asked Lama Michael, my teacher, from a Shankpa Kagyu perspective, what is death? What is death? And I remember he turned around slowly in his chair and he looked at me and he said, what is death? It isn't. This reminds me of a poem that I saw recently by Walt Whitman. He said, I wish I could translate the hints about the dead young men and women and the hints about old men and mothers and the offspring taken soon out of their laps. What do you think has become of the young and old men? And what do you think has become of the women and children? They are alive and well somewhere. The smallest sprout shows there really is no death. And if ever there was, it led forward life and does not wait at the end to arrest it and ceased the moment life appeared. All goes onward and outward, nothing collapses, and to die is different from what anyone supposed, and luckier. I really like that last line, and to die is different than from what anyone supposed, and luckier. How should you meet death? What's the right way? People ask that a lot, too, and I always say there's no right way to meet death. You just meet it like you meet any other stranger. 
is not about what you do. It's about how you let death change you. Death is a midwife. Let it birth you. What is the practice of death? It's simple presence, surrender, willingness to be with it. Let the experience of death wash over you. Notice the feelings, the sensations, the memories, the thoughts, each one of which is born and lives and dies in the space of awareness. Do you see that? Sit very still. Let the experience of death wash over you and notice the feelings, the sensations, the memories, the thoughts, each one of which is born, lives, and dies while you watch. You see that? 